0: And the podcast is just going to be us chewing pretzels. yeah we're also in a new setup yeah hopefully this is just temporary yeah. but we have two spare bedrooms at my house so one was like my husband's game room and he wanted to do a switcheroo because he liked the other room better or something I don't it's really a know. little lighter in here it's a little like dark and dingy not dingy yeah but like yeah dark it's in the like dark room. in the other room because it like it was a it used to be a little boy's room so it's like brown and tan colors. Yeah, it's colors. like very like weird even for a little boy, think it's like Yeah, weird it's colors. whatever. It's I mean, dark. it matches the uh furniture that's in yeah. there right now kind of. It doesn't look too bad, but yeah. so we switched the rooms and he has this whole plan for a desk for a little podcasting area. We have to get like his more plans that he told me about a long time ago and stuff like that. Yeah. So. But, you know, weird. Yeah, so you. right now we are up in the game room is what we call it, and we are sitting on the couch. And we have our microphones, like, super jigsawed. Yeah, they're, like, crossing each other and yeah, super... Yeah, and they're attached to a wicker table, so... Yeah. yeah. So, it's a time. But this is definitely more comfortable sitting here mm-hmm. than in the chairs. Like, I can yeah. lean back and be yeah. like, okay. Yeah. So, it's my turn today. Um, I'm kind of stealing Kirsten's idea and reading a story off of Creepypasta. Um, so, this one is called bedtime i think we're just gonna get right into it right what are you drinking i'm drinking a dr pepper peps yeah dr pepper right yeah cream, cream soda? soda i couldn't i thought it was coke for a second i was like no yeah we're drinking dr pepper cream soda what are you drinking kirsten i'm drinking ha ha aha sparkling water blueberry pomegranate we're just um we're having a late start today so we didn't feel like going and eating yeah. coffee and it's already 6 p.m yeah so some so. of us have to work tomorrow yeah so we're just trying to get right into it you know right into it right into it and plus we've probably all already had coffee this morning yes yeah, so i had two already yeah i had like one fourth of a latte and then i drank a refresher and that was all i had today Ugh yeah i my latte it waited so long to like like i waited so long and it melted and it was just gross So i put cold foam on it i didn't get like one sip of the cold foam i was very disappointed so it's fine though Okay. okay so part one the beginning bedtime is supposed to be a happy event for a tired child for me it was terrifying some children might complain about being put to bed before they have finished watching a film or playing their favorite video game when i was a child nighttime was something to truly fear Somewhere in the back of my mind, it still is. As someone who is trained in the sciences, I cannot prove that what happened to me was objectively real, but I can swear that what I experienced was genuine horror. A fear which in my life, I am glad to say, has never I will relay it to you all now as best I can. Make of it what you will, but I'll be glad to just get it off my chest. I can't remember exactly when it started, but my apprehensions towards falling asleep seemed to correspond with my being moved into a room of my own. I was eight years old at the time until then I had shared a room, quite happily with my is perfectly understandable for a five year old for boys five years my senior. My brother eventually wished for a room of his own and as a result I was given the room at the back of the house, which like back of the house, come on why do you move the older brother in the back of the house <laughs> just saying like you're gonna move like an eight-year-old come on it was small narrow yet oddly elongated room large enough for a bed and a couple chests of drawers but not much else so it's already like tiny sounds kind of neat yeah i don't know about this room i couldn't really complain because even at that age i understood that we did not have a large house and i was in no real cause to be disappointed as my family was both loving and caring, I, ha- I was a happy child. During a solitary window looked out onto our back garden. Nothing out of the ordinary, but even during the day, the light which crept into that room seemed almost hesitant. As my brother was given a new bed, I was given the bunk air beds, which we used to share. While I was upset about sleeping on my own, I was excited at the thought of being able to sleep in the top bunk, which seemed far more adventurous for me. Everybody wants a top bunk. That's true. Everybody wants a top bunk. I always, always got the top bunk. Yeah. Well, I didn't. So, let's <laughs> put it that way. From the very first night, I remember a strange feeling of unease creeping slowly back from the back of my mind. I lay on the top bunk, staring down at my action figures and cars strewn across the green blue carpet. As mer- imaginary battles and adventures took place between the toys and the floor, i couldn't help but feel that my eyes were slowly beginning were slowly being drawn towards the bottom bunk as if something was moving in the corner of my eye something which did not wish to be seen you better run now oh, boy he no. will scream the bunk was empty, empty impeccably made with dark blue blankets tucked in neatly partially covering two rather bland white pillows I didn't think anything of it at the time I was a child, and the noise slipping under my door from my parents' television bathed me in a warm sense of safety and well-being. I fell asleep. When you are awakened from a deep sleep to something moving or stirring, it can can take a few moments for you to truly understand what is happening. The fog of sleep hangs over your eyes and ears even when lucid. Something was moving, there was no doubt about it. At first, I wasn't sure what it was. Everything was dark, almost pitch black, but there was enough light creeping in from outside to outline that narrowly suffocating room. Two thoughts appeared in my mind almost simultaneously. The first was that my parents were in bed because the rest of the house lay both in darkness and silence. The second thought turned to the noise, a noise which had obviously awoken me. As the last cobwebs of sleep withered from my mind, the noise took on a more familiar form. Sometimes the simplest of sounds can be the most unnerving. A cold wind whistling through a tree outside, a neighbor's footsteps uncomfortably close, or, in this case, the simple sound of a bed sheet's rustling in the dark. Okay. <laughs> that was it. Bedsheets rustling in the dark as if some disturbed sleeper was attempting to get all too comfortable in the bottom bunk. I lay there in disbelief, thinking that the noise was either my imagination or perhaps just my pet cat finding somewhere comfortable to spend the night. It was then that I noticed my door shut shut as it had been as I'd fallen asleep. So, ain't no cat in that room. Mm. You know, it's not a cat. Perhaps my mom checked in on me and the cat had sneaked into my room then. Yes, that must have been it. I turned to face the wall, closing my eyes in the vain hope that I could fall back to sleep. As I moved, the rustling noise from underneath me ceased. I thought that must have disturbed my cat. But quickly, I realized that the visitor in the bottom bunk was much less mundane than my pet trying to sleep and more, much more sinister. As if alerted to and disgruntled by my presence, the disturbed sleeper began to toss and turn violently, like a child having a tantrum in their bed. I could hear the sheets twist and turn with increasing ferocity fear then gripped me not like the subtle sense of unease i had experienced earlier but now potent and terrifying my heart raced as my eyes panicked scanning the almost impenetrable darkness i let out a cry as most young boys do i instinctively shouted on my mother i could hear something stir on the other side of the house but as as i began to breathe a sigh of relief that my parents were coming to save me The bunk beds suddenly started to shake violently as if gripped by an earthquake, scraping against the wall. I could hear the sheets below me thrashing around as if tormented by malice. I did not want to jump down to safety as I feared the thing from the bottom bunk would reach out and grab me, pulling me into the darkness, so I stayed there, white knuckles clenching my own blankets like a shroud of protection. The wait seemed like an eternity. The, for- the door finally and thankfully burst open, and I lay bathed in light while the bottom bunk, the resting place of my unwanted visitor, lay empty and peaceful. I cried, and my mother consoled me. Tears of fear, followed by relief, streamed down my face. Yet through all the horror and relief, I did not tell her why I was so upset. I cannot explain it, but it was as though whatever had been in that bunk would return if I even so much as spoke of it, or uttered a single syllable of its existence. Whether that was the truth, I do not know, but as a child, I felt as if that unseen menace remained close, listening. My mother lay in the empty bunk, promising to stay there till morning. Eventually, my anxiety diminished. Tiredness pushed me back towards sleep, but I remained restless, waking several times momentarily to the sound of rustling bedsheet. I remember the next day wanting to go anywhere, be anywhere, but in that narrow suffocating room. It was a Saturday, and I played outside, quite happily with my friends. Although our house was not large, we were lucky to have a long sloping garden in the back. We played there often, as much of it was overgrown, and we could hide in the bushes, climb in the huge sycamore tree, which towered over, which towered above all else, and easily imagine ourselves in the throes of a grand adventure in some untamed exile as fun as it all was occasionally my eye would turn to that small window ordinary slight and innocuous but for me that thin boundary was a looking glass into a strange cold pocket of dread outside the lush green surroundings of our garden filled with smiling faces of my friends could not extinguish the creeping feeling crawling its way up my spine each hair stint- the feeling of something in that room watching me play, waiting for the night when I would be alone, eagerly filled with hate. It may sound strange to you, but by the time my parents ushered me back into that room for the night, I said nothing. I didn't protest. I didn't even make an excuse as to why I couldn't sleep there. I simply and su- sullenly walked into that room, climbed a few steps into the top bunk, and then waited. As an adult, I would be telling everyone about my experience, but even at that age, I felt almost silly to be talking about something which I really had no evidence for. I would be lying, however, if I said this was my primary reason. I still felt that this thing would be enraged if I so much as spoke of it. It's funny how certain words can remain hidden from your mind, no matter how blatant or obvious they are. One word came to me that second night, lying there in the darkness alone, frightened, aware of rotten change in the atmosphere. A thickening of the air as if something had displaced it. As I heard the first casual twists of the bed sheets below, the first ang- anxious increase of my heartbeat at that realization that something was once again in the bottom bunk, that word of which had been sent into exile, filtered up through my conscious consciousness, breaking free of all repression, gasping for air, screaming, etching, and carving itself into my mind. Ghost dun, dun, dun yeah but why ghost why not like demon or because he's eight years old i would have thought demon (laughs) kirsten as an eight-year-old would have thought demon yes end of story let the record show (laughs) that i would have thought demon put it in the books as this thought came to me i noticed that my unwelcome visitor had ceased moving the bed sheets lay calm and dormant but they had been replaced by something far more hideous a slow, rhythmic, rasping breath heaved and escaped from the thing below. Ew. <laughs> what a way to describe that. Ugh. Ugh. A slow, rhythmic, rasping breath. I can just like hear that. Oh in my, my brain. god. Ew. <laughs> it's making my skin crawl. <laughs> I can imagine its chest rising and falling with each sordid, re- sorted, wheezing, and garbled breath. I shuddered and hoped beyond all hope that it would leave without occurrence. The house lay, as it had the previous night, in a thick blanket of darkness. Silence prevailed, all for but that perverted breath as my, of my as-yet-unseen bunkmate. I lay there terrified. I just wanted this thing to go, to leave me alone. What did I want? what did it want what did it want i was like what did i
1: want (laughs) what do i
0: want (laughs) what do i wear (laughs) you know my birthday is pre-october it's in the month of pre-october i would just like to make that note to the public my birthday is in september 16th you can send gifts at (laughs) you can venmo me (laughs) Cash at me. Cash at me. Then something unmistakably chilling transpired. It moved. It moved in a way different from before. When it threw itself around in the bottom bunk, it seemed unrestrained, without purpose, almost animalistic. This movement, however, was driven by awareness, with purpose, with a goal in mind. For that thing lying there in the darkness, that thing which seemed intent on terrorizing a young boy, calmly and nonchalantly sat up. It's labored breathing had become louder as now only a mattress and a few flimsy wooden slats separated my body from the unearthly breath below. I just, I just, is, is it a ghost now? Is someone want to tell me? I wish a ghost this, now. I wish this guy had a name. So I'd be like, is it a ghost now, Billy? Yeah. I lay there, my eyes filled with tears. A fear which mere words cannot relate to you or anyone else coursed through my veins. I would not have believed that this fear could have been heightened. But I was so wrong. I imagined what this thing would look like, sitting there, listening from below my mattress, hoping to catch the slightest hint that I was awake. Imagination then turned into an unnerving reality. It began to touch the wooden slats which my mattress sat on. It seemed to caress them carefully, running what I imagined to be fingers and hands across the surface of the wood. Then, with great force, it prodded angrily between two slats into the mattress. Even through the padding, it felt as though someone had viciously stuck their fingers into my side. I let out an almighty cry, and the wheezing, shaking, and moving thing in the bunk below rep- replied in kind by violently vibrating the bunk as it had done the night before. Small flakes of paint powdered into my be- my blanket from the wall as the frame of the bed scraped along it, backwards and forwards. So he really going wild out here. He's like, Oh, man! once again i was bathed in light and there stood my mother loving caring as she always was with a comforting hug and calming words which eventually subdued my hysteria of course she asked what was wrong but i could not say i dared not say i simply said one word over and over and over again nightmare honey i don't think that was a nightmare this is some like poltergeist kind of vibe it's a demon Harold, that's what it is <laughs> he sounds like a herald he does so. sound like a herald this pattern of events continued for weeks if not months night after night i would am- awaken to the sound of wrestling sheets each time i would scream so as to not provide this abomination with time to prod and feel for me with each cry the bed would shake violently stopping with the arrival of my mother who would spend the rest of the night in the bottom bunk Seemingly unaware of the sinister force torturing her son nightly. Along the way, I managed to feign illness a few times and come up with other less than truthful reasons for sleeping in my parents' bed. But more often than not, I would be alone for the first few hours each night in that place. The room where the light from outside did not sit right, alone with that thing. With time, you be- you can become desensitized to almost anything, no matter how horrific i had come to realize that for whatever reason this thing could not harm me when my mother was present i am sure the same would have been said for my father but as loving as he was waking him from his sleep was almost impossible it's like the opposite of mom and dad like dad like hears a pin drop he's like yeah john does not wake up for shit eric if he's in a deep sleep he will not wake up like he or he'll wake up and we could have a full conversation and he'll go back to sleep and not remember any of it like he could be up for like 30 minutes and not remember any of it so I always have to retell him every single thing that I told him earlier after a few months I had grown accustomed to my nightly visitor do not mistake this for some unearthly friendship I, I detested the thing I still feared it greatly as I almost I could almost sense its desires and its personality if you could call it that one filled with a perverted and twisted hatred, yet longing for me, of perhaps all things. It's kind of a weird way to put it. Perverted and twisted hatred, yet longing for me. Okay, what kind of demon is? I don't know. Yuck. I just I just don't know. I don't. Mm. Yeah. No thank y'all. No thank you No, we're gonna pass. My greatest fears will realize that were realized in the winter. The days grew short and the longer nights merely provided this wretch with more opportunities. It was a difficult time for my family. My my grandmother, a wonderfully kind and gentle woman, had deteriorated greatly since the death of my grandfather. My mother was trying her best to keep her in the community as long as possible. However, dementia is a cruel and degenerative illness, robbing a person of their memories one day at a time. Soon, she recognized none of us, and it became clear that she would need to be moved from her house to a nursing home. Before she could be moved, my grandmother had a particularly difficult few nights, and my mother decided that she would stay with her. As much as I loved my grandmother and felt nothing but anguish at her illness, to this day I feel guilty that my first thoughts were not of her, but of what my nightly visitor may do should it become aware of my mother's absence her presence being the one thing that I was sure was protecting me from the full horror of this thing's reach. I rushed home from school that day and immediately wretched the bed sheets and mattress from the lower bunk. Removing all the slats and placing an old desk, a chest of drawers, and some chairs, which we kept in a cupboard where the bottom bunk used to be. I told my father I was making an office, which he found adorable. But I would be damned if, I, if I'd if i give that thing a place to sleep for one more night. Why did it take you this long? Yeah, so like, um, you're a little late, sir. Yeah, you're a little late. Like, come on. Like, he was like, Mom's not here? Dude, I would have, like, started sleeping in the bottom bunk, because, like... What if it just moved to the top bunk? Yeah, but then you'd be able to see what the heck's going on. But do you want to see it? Yeah, because I want not know what the fuck's going on. I'm going to fuck you up, bitch. <laughs> Look out of my bed <laughs> as darkness approached I lay there knowing my mother was not in the house I did not know what to do my only impulse was to sneak into her jewelry box and take a small family crucifix which I had seen there before my whole family was not very religious at that age I still believed in God and hoped that some- somehow this would protect me although my fearful and anxious although fearful and anxious while gripping the crucifix under my pillow tightly in one hand Sleep eventually came, and I drifted off into a dream. I hoped that I would awaken in the morning without incidents. Unfortunately, that night was the most terrifying of all. Here we go, ladies it's and gents. It's about to go down. <laughs> I woke gradually. The room was once again dark. As my eyes adjusted, I could gradually make out the window and the door, and the walls and some of the toys on the shelf. And, even to this day... I shuddered to think of it, for there was no noise, no rustling of sheets, no movement at all. The room felt lifeless, lifeless yet not empty. The nightly visitor, that unwelcoming, wheezing, hate-filled thing, which had terrorized me night after night, was not in the bottom bunk. It was in my bed. I opened my mouth to scream, but nothing came out. Utter terror had shaken the very sound from my voice. I lay motionless. If I could not scream, I did not want to let it know I was awake. I had not yet seen it. I could only feel it. It was obscured under my blanket. I could see its outline, and I could feel its presence, but I dared not look. The weight of it pressed down on top of me, a sensation I will never forget. When I say that hours passed, I do not exaggerate. Laying there motionless in the darkness, I was every bit as scared and frightened young boy oh my god (laughs) the fact that it was like on top of him i don't know but if that's the case that's really weird yeah okay if it had been during the summer months it would have been light by then but the grasp of winter is long and unrelenting and i knew it would be hours before sunrise a sunrise which i yearned for i was a timid child by nature but i reached a breaking point a moment where I could wait no more, where I could survive under the intimately de- deviant abomination no longer. Fear can sometimes wear you out, make you threadbare, a shell of nerves leaving only the slightest trace of you behind. I had to get out of that bed. Then I remembered the crucifix. My hand still lay underneath the pillow, but it was empty. I slowly moved my wrist around to find it, minimal- minimizing as best as I could the sound and vibrations caused but it could not be found. I had either knocked it off the top bunk or it had. I could not even bear to think of it had been taken from my hand. Without the crucifix, I lost any sense of hope. Even at such a young age, you can be actually aware of what death is and intensely frightened of it. I knew I was going to die in that bed if I lay there, dormant, passive, doing nothing. I had to leave that room behind, but how? Should I leap from the bed and hope that I make it to the door? What if it was faster than me? Or should I slowly slip out of that top bunk, hoping to not disturb my uncanny bedfellow? Realizing that it had, realizing that it had not stirred when I moved, trying to find the crucifix, I began to have the strangest of thoughts. What if it was asleep? It hadn't so much as breathed since I woken up. Perhaps it was resting, believing that it had finally got me, that I was finally in its grasp, or perhaps it was toying with me. After all, it had been doing just that for countless nights. And now, with me under it, pinned against my mattress, with no mother to protect me, maybe it was holding off, savoring its victory until the last possible moment, like a wild animal savoring its prey. I tried to breathe as shallowly as possible, and mustering every ounce of courage I could, I reached over slowly with my right hand and began to peel the blanket off me. What I found under those covers almost stopped my heart. I did not see it, but as my hand moved the blanket, it brushed against something, something smooth and cold. Something which felt unmistakably like a gaunt hand. Or I held my breath in terror as I was sure it must have known that I was awake. Nothing. It did not stir. It felt dead. It must feel like a dead body just, like, laying on top of him. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> continue Continuing. after a few moments I placed my hand carefully further down the blanket and felt a thin poorly for- formed forearm my confidence and almost twisted sense of curiosity grew as I moved further down a disproportionately larger bicep muscle the arm was outstretched lying across my chest with the hand resting on my left shoulder as if it grabbed me as if it had grabbed me in my sleep I realized that I would have to move this cadaverous appendage if I even so much as hoped to escape it escape its grasp. For some reason, the feeling of t- the feeling of torn, ragged clothing on the shoulder of this nighttime invader stopped me in my track. Fear once again swelled in my stomach and in my chest as I recoiled my hand in disgust at the touch of straggled oily hair. Ugh okay um <laughs> is this like a homeless person just like creeping in your bed? yeah seriously. that's like what it sounds like with like the torn clothes and i don't know i could not bring myself to touch its face although i was wondering although i wondered to this very day what it would have felt like dear god it moved it moved it was subtle but its grip on my shoulder and across my body strengthened no tears came but god how i wanted to cry As its hand and arm slowly coiled around me, my right leg brushed along the cool wall, which the bed lay against. Of all that happened to me in that room, this was the strangest. I realized that this clutching, rancid thing, which drew great delight from violating a young boy's bed, was not entirely on top of me. It was sticking out from the wall, like a spider striking from its lair. Suddenly, its grip moved from a slow tightening to a sudden squeeze. It pulled and clawed at my clothes, as if frightened that the opportunity would soon pass. I fought against it, but its emancipated arm... Or, no, its emaciated arm was like, emancipated... <laughs> Emancipation... <laughs> <laughs> Emancipation Proclamation. <laughs> <It's> like a... <laughs> I don't even know. That's, that's like just i don't know it's a document that has nothing to do with a dead person's arm but its emaciated arm was too strong for me its head rose up writhing and contorted under the blanket i now realized where it was taking me into the wall i fought for my dear life i cried and suddenly my voice returned to me yelling screaming but no one came then i realized why it was so eager to suddenly strike why this thing had to have me now Through my window that window which seemed to represent so much malice from outside streaked hope the first rays of sunshine i struggled further knowing that if i could just hold on it would be it would soon be gone as i fought for my life the unearthly parasite shifted slowly pulling itself up my chest its head now poking out from under the blanket wheezing coughing rasping i do not remember its features i simply remember its breath against my face Foul and cold as ice as the sun broke over the horizon that dark place that suffocating room of contempt was washed bathed in sunlight i passed out as its scrawny fingers encircled my neck squeezing the very life from me jesus so now it's strangling him i woke to my father offering <laughs> i woke to my father offering to make me some breakfast A wonderful sight, indeed. I had survived the most horrible experience of my life until then and now. I moved the bed away from the wall, leaving behind the furniture I had believed would stop that thing from taking a bed. Little did I think it would try to take mine and me. Weeks passed without incidents. Yet on one cold, frostbitten night, I awoke to the sound of furniture where the bunk beds used to be, vibrating violently. In a moment, it passed. I lay there sure that I could hear a distant wheezing coming from the coming from deep within the wall, finally fading into the distance. I have never told anyone this story. To this day I still break out in a cold sweat at the sound of a bed at the sound of bed sheets rustling in the night, or a wheeze brought on by a common cold. I, and I certainly never sleep with my bed against the wall. Call it superstition, if you will. But as I said, I cannot discount conventional explanations such as sleep paralysis, hallucination, or that of an overactive imagination. But what I can say is this. The following year, I was given a larger room on the other side of the house, and my parents took that strangely suffocating, elongated place as their bedroom. They said they didn't need a large room, just one big enough for a bed and a few things. They lasted ten days. We moved on the 11th. Boy, I tell mm, you, what. Miss Girl. Mm, mm, no, absolutely not. Whew. Okay, so that was the end of part one, and then the writer has a part two. All right, guys. So this is gonna be a two-parter because it's getting late, and my eyes hurt. And the second part is also about a half hour, forty-five minutes long. So it seems a little more gruesome. So if you're if you're up for some of that, yes, stay tuned. For warning that it is gruesome. Who, yeah. who wrote a, this? should probably give credit. Oh, yeah. Michael Whitehouse 6 on Wattpad apparently is the writer. Bedtime. Watt- oh, my gosh. He, okay. Okay, so if you go on to Wattpad, you can find this story. It won the Wattie Awards 2012, which is wow. a big achievement. His username is Michael Whitehouse 6. All right, guys. We are tired. We are snacking on pretzels. Yep. I'm sure you'll hear some of that. So, yeah. We're going to peace on out. And we will see you next week. Yeah, it's Kirsten's story next week. It's my story. All right. Just keep on sipping, guys. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, Sierra here from Killers Crime and Coffee. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook at Killers Crime and Coffee, a true crime and paranormal podcast, Instagram at Killers Crime Coffee pod, or our website at KillersCrime You can email us any story suggestions or feedback at killerscrimecoffee.com. Make sure to follow our friends.